Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Between the Lanes, and uh, we're so glad that you're here with us. And uh, if you're watching us, I want to point out that I've got this really cool mug that says Southern Gal. <laughs> uh, and, and this is a great lead-in uh, to our episode today. Um, and first off, I want to say hey to Dad. So Dad's here. Hey, good morning. <laughs> Glad to be here. Uh, it's going to be a great day. We have a very special guest. Uh, Miss Amy Ford is with hey. us today. Hey, hey. Wow. It is such an honor to have like you with us. I like that segue. <laughs> yes, exactly. This, this wasn't just for you. I mean, I have this Southern Gal mug a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I like it to it's balance out. Yeah, it's yeah. your favorite favorite lucky mug. <laughs> it's my favorite lucky <laughs> mug, exactly. Uh, and if you do not know, let me take a minute to introduce uh, Miss Amy to you. Amy is the founder and president of Embrace Grace. If you don't know anything about Embrace Grace, we're going to talk about that today. Uh, and Amy is an incredible leader who has grown from basically her own experience, something that is today now an international ministry. And uh, there's so much to talk about. Uh, I think you're uh, an incredible leader, uh, incredibly obedient to what God has called you to do. And you have created a ministry that, in my view, has been a step-by-step -step obedience to the Lord. And maybe some of it was vision to start with, but maybe a lot of it was just simply, here's my experience. How do I walk this out to help people? And so I want to I want to invite sort of uh, anybody who might be listening or watching today, you might be in a place of need. I want you to know today is going to present a solution if you're in a place of need. Maybe you're in a place of needing to be challenged and inspired. That's going to happen today, too. You're going to be challenged and inspired to realize your vision and your goals. And uh, it's going to be a fun, fun conversation. So, Amy, talk first about just who you are and Tell us a little bit about Embrace Grace, and then let's go back into how all that began. Okay, so I'm Amy Ford. I lead an organization called Embrace Grace, and we have support groups for women with unexpected pregnancies in churches all over the nation. And it's a 12-week uh, model where we give all the churches the training, the tools, everything they need to welcome these moms into the church. We want the church to be one of the first places a girl runs to instead of the last because of shame and guilt. Mm -hmm. So we want to create like a sanctuary for them to come, get the wisdom, prayer, guidance, counsel that they need to know how to move forward. We want to help her be brave and to help her choose life and help mm -hmm. her feel empowered in that decision. So we have a digital curriculum, book curriculum. We give that to the churches where they host their own groups groups at their own church. Yeah. So this is the national headquarters that we have here in Texas, but yet um, we are in over 1,100 groups and church, 1,100 churches wow. in all 50 states and in eight countries. So. <laughs> that's, that's incredible. Um, and, and that really began out of an experience that you had in your own life. And Talk about how this began. Okay, so I had my own unexpected pregnancy when I was 19. I grew up in church, had an amazing family, but I didn't have a relationship with the Lord, which mm. you know you can. There is a difference. Mm. So I went to church every week, but I found out I was pregnant. I was so scared to tell my parents. Mm. I thought the enemy lies to you, tells you the worst case scenarios. I thought my life was over. My dreams were over. Um, that we were going to be the black sheep of the family. And so we, um, we had decided, me and the father of the baby, we decided that an abortion might would be 
the best way to move forward. And we, we knew we were making the wrong decision, but it was like, well, we'll deal with the consequences of the broke of a broken heart later. Just let's go through the motions and do it. And when you were considering that, was that still kind of private between the two yes, of you? Yes, we had okay, not told anyone. To yeah. And so we went straight to the abortion clinic back then, this was 25 years ago, we didn't have Google and, you know, all of that. So it was the phone book, you know, and you just go <laughs> straight to the abortion clinic. So we went, scheduled it, paid for it. And I actually ended up hyperventilating and passing out in the abortion room as they were explaining to me how they were do, about to do it. And, and, and was it the reality of what was setting in or literally them explaining it to you that just overwhelmed you? I think it was more of the reality yeah. of what, because I had really been in like robot mode, you mm -hmm. know, like going through the motions and I'll just deal with, with what's happened, but I'm like sometimes when you're in like a trauma traumatic experience, you're just like literally walking, mm. talking, but yet inside, and you're kind of like zoning out, but you're just it. And, and then basically, it was like the gravity and the reality all hit in that moment, and I couldn't breathe, passed out. And so one of the nurses came to me and she was fanning me, trying to give me a drink of water. And she said, you're too emotionally distraught to make this decision today. Mm. You can come back another day, but today you're not getting an abortion, which I've had a lot of friends that have had abortions and experienced the heartbreak of that. And they say, I never had a nurse like that, that oh. actually cared. So it was a very unique experience mm -hmm. almost you can see got it work totally yeah. and so I went back out in the waiting room where uh my baby daddy <laughs> was and said we're still pregnant he could see my face was swollen from crying so much and we just decided in that moment okay like if we're gonna be homeless and all the stuff that we have thought if our life is over we'll figure it out together mm. So we went and told our parents it wasn't as bad as we thought it would be, but they were definitely disappointed in the timing uh, of all of it. And we decided to get married when we were 16 weeks pregnant. So I married my baby daddy. We've mm -hmm. still been married 25 years. <laughs> and um, we had asked the pastor that had led my husband to the Lord years before. We asked him if he would marry us. And he said, no, I'm sorry, because you've sinned. I will not bless this marriage. Mm -hmm. And so we were like, Wow. Like wow. we are such horrible people. We can't even be married and be blessed. Like here we are trying to make it right in a way, even though that's not always the right thing to do for some moms, but we knew we loved each other. We were high school sweethearts. We wanted to get married. So, um, we found someone else that would marry us, but it definitely felt like a scarlet letter experience, mm. you know, the shame and everything. And we tried to go back to church after that, but it was like the elephant in the room and people don't know whether to say congratulations or I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. So they don't say anything. And then you just feel alone in a crowd of people. Wow. So we just stopped going for a long time. But one thing that's really cool is that pastor that wouldn't marry us. He did call my husband two years later and he asked for forgiveness. Mm. He said he felt like it was his worst mistake in pastoring history that he had ever made. And wow. they are still to this day, like such great friends. And, um, so we have a son who is 25 and he's married now. He mm. went to Oral Roberts university. He's got a theology degree and has his MBA and he, <laughs> He travels and speaks and shares his side of the story. And he says that he was an overcomer before he was ever born mm. and Satan had a plan to take him out, but he's here and he wants to use a story to help people. And, um, he's just amazing. And to think that it was so close that 
he might not be here. And one more part of the story is that when he was 16, that pastor that wouldn't marry us asked me to come to his church and speak. And uh, he's a pastor in Austin, Texas. So before I had gotten there, he had told his congregation about what he had done years before. He said, I had a religious spirit. I had a Pharisee heart. This is what I did. Um, and so I came, I spoke. He wanted me to talk about Embrace Grace and pro-love, which is something we, we talk about a lot here. And afterwards, he asked me to come back on the platform, and he asked my son, Jess, to come on the platform as well. And this is in front of the entire congregation. And he said, Amy, years ago, I asked your husband for forgiveness, but I never really asked you, will you forgive me? Um, you know, 16 years ago, what I did, I was like, of course, we've, I forgave you a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Well, then he looked at my son, 16, in front of the whole church, and he said, will you forgive me for planting seeds of rejection in your heart before you were ever even born. Mm, And while you were in your mother's womb, I rejected you. Will you forgive me? And my son, 16 in front of the whole church says, I forgive you. And it was such a powerful moment in that room. Like you could feel church wounds being lifted. The fact that the pastor would even humble himself in front of a congregation like that. You could, it was like healing was happening with so many people. And, and it was even healing for Jess because around that, I had told him his side of the, that, his story when he was 13 because my first book came out and I was about to be on James Robinson and all this stuff and I'd never told him. And I was so worried. And, you know, we have four kids now. And so we just took him to Cheesecake Factory. And, you know, when you just take one kid, it's like something's up. <laughs> yeah, they want to talk to me about something. Right. And so we, I had all my friends praying because I didn't want to t- him to take it as rejection. You know, we were just young and dumb kids and he was unplanned by us, but he was planned by God. And so we told him and we're like, how does this make you feel? And he's literally 13, eighth grade boy. You know, how do you think he responded? He's like, oh, you know, he didn't really have much to say. But over yeah. time, he did kind of struggle a little bit until the Lord spoke to him about his identity and his value. And um, so it's kind of cool to sometimes we even speak together um, on yeah. We get to travel and speak at, at some some places and he's amazing and um yeah so that is like going through all of that really helped me understand the value and the importance of the church like Mm. I when when going through something like that I went to church every single week Mm. yes I didn't have a relationship with the Lord but I went every single week when I found out I was pregnant why did I not ever think that I could go to the church and ask for prayer wisdom, guidance, support, counsel. Why was it the last place that I wanted to go to? And no one had ever told me what a pregnancy center was. Like I've gone to church my whole life. No one has said that there's free places and way more than abortion clinics. And they Mm. give you free testing and they give you, they empower you and give you all of these great resources that can help you choose life. Like no one told me that they even existed. I had no idea. And so how many other women, you know, have gone through that and the abortion rate is the same inside the church as it is outside. So we know that there's an issue, but we're not, um, we're not talking about it in our churches. So all of that really just inspired like we need to do something. But when we started Embrace Grace, we were just thinking, my church that I attended. Like I never in a million years knew or even had the thought that Embrace Grace was going to be a national 
I mean, it was just like, let's start a small group at our church. Yep. I want to help people. Mm -hmm. So go, go back to. And you had a big part in that, (laughs) a big part. I, I was flashback memories to Mm -hmm. that time, Amy. And I I have one question uh, uh, about the story you just told. How is it that out of the rejection that you received from the pastor and the church, because if I remember right, didn't they make you stand up in front of the church? No, he didn't. I mean, we, he just, um, we basically just never went back and he wasn't even our pastor. We went to a church that it's just, people just didn't really talk to us, but working with women all over the nation now, that actually does happen all the time where they have to confess their sin in front of the congregation on a Sunday night or whatever, which just contributes to the abortion. Like they're, Mm. Either that or they're never going to show up again. But why is it just that sin? Like, why not that the pastor just ate too much of the buffet? Why doesn't he confess that sin too? You know, it's just weird. Or why isn't the baby dad up there? Visible to everybody, right? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's true. There's you can see that sin too. So, um, so how how do you keep you and Ryan? We know Ryan as well. Mm -hmm. How did you and Ryan keep from becoming bitter at the church? You, even though you didn't come or go to church for a while, how, how did you keep your heart soft in all of that? I don't know. I think it was just trying to understand that they're just people. And I think that even with that pastor, you know, two years later, he had called Ryan and yeah. asked for forgiveness. That was a very mm-hmm. healing experience for both of us of like, and he, he has a whole story on his own about what the Lord did in his heart. Mm. Um, and what, what God was doing in him. And I think it just helped us to like, understand it's not about the church or the entity. Like these are just people and this is the way they, churches have been doing it for so long that it's like, you just do it without even thinking about it when really it's like, where did this even come from? This isn't the heart of our father, Mm. um, to handle this situation like this. It's like shaming and all of that. Mm -hmm. So it was just a slowly, we would try a church and then we'd stop going for six months and then we'd try a different church and then we'd stopped going for six months. And it, we finally found one that was like, this feels different than any other church we've ever been to and then slowly starting to get plugged in and I signed up to decorate a women's conference first time I'd ever volunteered at a church ever and that was the conference where I had a vision from the Lord to start a small group for women with unexpected pregnancies, just thinking like leading a little group Mm. and I had never led anything at a church before. So it was very um, intimidating to even think about it. And there was no curriculum. See, there's no single and pregnant curriculum. So it's like, what do you even teach? Um, so we ended up, we prayed about a name. We felt like embrace grace was the name. And then we randomly saw a book was called embrace grace. Mm -hmm. And so we're like, that's weird. There's a book and it wasn't about being pregnant, but it was about grace. Like I remember it had letters to Liz, who's the author. And it would say, but Liz, I've been in jail. How can God have grace, grace for me? It's like, it was very simple, but very powerful. And so we ended up just using that. Mm -hmm. And, um, three girls came one wore the first group, the first group. One wore a coat in August in Texas because she was terrified of stepping foot into the church, like in anyone seeing mm-hmm. that she was pregnant. 
And we had no idea what we we're doing, but we would just cheer them on, you know, like, you're going to be a great mom, you can do this. And we would even read from the book, which I'm like, now that I'm older, like I have ADD really bad, like I cannot <laughs> handle when people read out of books, but we didn't know we had no idea what we we're doing. But all three of them got saved. Wow. They all went from the first class not making eye contact, this hopelessness, to a transformation of empowerment. By mm. the end, they were, in, after 12 weeks, were empowered as women to be the moms that God created, called mm. them to be. And so then we're like, this was amazing. So we're like, let's do it again. Three more girls came, then eight, then 14, then 21. Mm. And then other churches randomly started calling us saying, this is really cool. Will you show us how to do it too? And we had kind of started writing our own curriculum, but still just thinking our own church, which our church gateway was growing in campuses at the time too. Mm. So it was like, people would be like, Oh, you know, this is the first satellite campus. I'll start it at this one. And so it kind of started growing organically, but it wasn't until we were like at 10 or 12 groups that we had the revelation of like, this is bigger this might be something. than what we're doing here. Mm. Like mm. God is wanting us to help people, help people and mm. help the church be the church. Um, yeah. Can I can I go back? Because I want to I want to suspend a lot of time on the sort of the the ministry and the post experience and what you as a leader and what all that looks like. But go back to because <clears throat> I'm just kind of caught on on you talking about I was in the church but I didn't know the Lord. Talk to me about why do you think that was? I think there's a lot of people as teenagers mm-hmm. and maybe there's parents of teenagers who are going okay, this has been an incredible outcome that's happened to your life, but are there families that are dealing with this, that their children are in the church, but they're not mm-hmm. knowing the Lord? Do you have any insight into your life at that point? Yes. After, I mean, they're, I've they're done lots of therapy, a lot of stuff, looking back <laughs> on stuff. And I think that we, we were on the outside, the good Christian family, and we were still, we were all, we are good people, but we didn't really have authenticity within our family. Like there wasn't like hard conversations where I, I feel this way. It was more like, if you're going to cry, go to your room. You know, there's no like conversation around emotion and things like that. So I think then when you, and I was in a, went to a really small Christian private school, very sheltered. And so then when I have my first major life decision it's like I freeze I Mm. haven't been taught how to have reasoning and process and I just was going through the motions going to my parents church it was my parents God Mm. and it wasn't my God Mm -hmm. and um and they didn't really foster that I think looking back on it you know we went through the motions like I said but it wasn't I you know I'm trying to change things, you know, I have four kids, but I I think I'm getting a little bit, I have two more at home and two out of the house. So I'm Mm. like, okay, well, maybe about the last one, I'll (laughs) be a little bigger. I'll pay for the therapy of my older ones. (laughs) Well, I think it's just an interesting thing that, that I think parents like the family you grew up in wanted, invite their children into and model for them a relationship with the Lord. Mm -hmm. But, but how you do that oftentimes in our own lives, what a relationship with the Lord looks like is I'm in a moment of desperation and need mm-hmm. and I cry out, the Lord's there. I mean, he's, he's near to the brokenhearted. And so, but as parents, we want to create an ideal sort of family situation. We mm-hmm. want to, but sometimes there are moments of, of need that, w- that have to be created, mm-hmm. not created. That's probably not the right word, but 
that have to happen in our lives that truly draw us to a relationship with the Lord. And when that isn't allowed, right, it can create a false sense of relationship. For sure. And maybe that's a little bit what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, like on paper, I, you know, Christian school, went to church every week, but my heart wasn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and your parents were probably great people trying oh, to protect totally. your heart. Yes. And wanted, and I, and I have a heart for parents like we all who right. are like, oh, I want my kids. I want them to know the Lord. And mm-hmm. I want this make great, good decisions, make good decisions, and all this kind of stuff. And and sometimes um, that can create the helicopter parent, mm-hmm. or that can create the parent who's trying to do all this kind of stuff to protect. And in reality, our children have to experience that for themselves that draw them close to the Lord. And ultimately, in this situation, the outcome for you was you, you did find this true, authentic relationship with the Lord mm-hmm. out of a very deep place of need and desperation. Right. And it was just with the Lord directly, not through the church, exactly. you know, and then slowly the church. So unpack a little bit. You go to your parents mm-hmm. and you tell them what's happened. Mm-hmm. And did, they were disappointed, but... Did they support you? Did they? Yes. Yeah. I mean, they definitely were like, they knew we were high school sweethearts. They, my mom kind of did a little bit of the poor me, you know, which I get (laughs) now as a a parent, I'm like, how would I, I know I tell help moms all the time, but like my kid, you know, (laughs) that's a whole nother thing. Um, but after they got through, like the, they grieved, like I was their oldest. And Mm -hmm. so they were, and they had me when they were 17 Mm -hmm. and I was an unplanned pregnancy and they got married when they were pregnant with me. And Mm -hmm. so I think they were grieving, you know, this, they wanted maybe a different outcome. Right. And that I'm young and get pregnant. So, and I looking back, like I totally get that. Uh, but then when when it was time for a wedding, I mean, all of that, they went all out, like they were Mm -hmm. very supportive. And, yeah. and they were great, but it was definitely a terrifying <laughs> season for sure. Yeah. So from, from 19, you, you have Jess, mm-hmm. um, and then between 19 and when you have this revelation at church about starting a small group, what was God doing in your life? How were you developing as a woman, as a leader, as a mom, as a wife? Like, what did that look like? Because that's a, obviously a key part of your journey. Yeah, I, um, it was just spending a lot of time with the Lord because it still probably wasn't until it was, Jess was 10 years old when I got the vision for Embrace Grace. So it was about only just a year before where we really got plugged in to the church church. and like made it kind of a nine year gap. Yeah. Just like, I mean, we would go sometimes and then we would miss, but I just still tried to uh, focus on my relationship and not necessarily the structure mm-hmm. of um, going to church. And I really just didn't even know what I was missing until I did find a place, you know, because I, I went to church growing up and I went through the motions, but I didn't really feel connected really. And mm-hmm. so I didn't know what I was missing until I found, you know, um, being at, at Gateway was was amazing. And um, I, I think too, I went on a heart quest and that is through fellowship of the sword ministries. And it was the year that embrace grace started and looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, that was such great training mm. to get my heart in a place, which, you know, I'm always trying to work on my heart and keep my heart pure. Um, but that was like, it was five days with no phone, no computer, no TV. (laughs) And you're just spending time with the Lord with about 12 other women. And I saw miracles. I saw 
hard women go had gone through hard things and then how Lord the Lord did healing in their hearts. It would help me so much. Mm-hmm. Um, even to see people not as I remember one there was one girl that she was kind of mean to me a little bit at right on the bus when we were leaving to go to this this um, ministry experience. And she just was like, Why you know, you're talking too much. She kind of would make little comments and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm about to be in this house with this girl like <laughs> for five days. Right. Yeah. And then she gets up and she tells her story and she talks about how um, her husband passed away while she's holding her baby in a um, skydiving accident. Like just literally she saw it happen and she's telling it there's not a tear. And I'm thinking the Lord just told me right then. He's like, you judge people by the way they treat you or talk to you when really it is hurt people hurt people like Mm -hmm. this lady has gone through so much Mm -hmm. and it was like something clicked Mm -hmm. to be like i can't get into the petty or the drama like the the people have stories and they respond out of that and it helped me see her the way god sees her Mm -hmm. and then i i felt like it was a huge pivotal experience and that was about um four months before my first embrace grace group started Mm -hmm. And there was lots of other great things through that. But um, that was like, I think it's just was the relationship with the Lord, getting plugged in, finally feeling safe in a church. And then also um, that ministry experience was huge for me mm. to help get me ready for. And I, you know, at the time I had no idea right. what was coming. What was coming. Uh, it, I mean, something strikes me about that in both your, or your heart quest and just being in the church and that is, you know, there's a there's a dynamic of us pursuing the Lord in our own relationship with Him. But what you highlight is being connected in the body of Christ, mm-hmm. in the church, in a ministry. God spoke to you in a way <clears throat> that He wasn't speaking to you mm-hmm. when you were just on your own. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to recognize the being connected in the body of Christ. And there's something, you know, people can argue and there's a lot of people who are, you know, wanting to pull out of church and they want to do their own thing and so forth. And I think there's a a very important factor that people miss, and that is the coming together uh, as a group of believers when the Lord is present in our midst and how Mm -hmm. he may speak and bring revelation and healing and all of that. But if you are backing out of church you're really disconnecting from the body of Christ. Right. And I think it's important to kind of highlight that, that God was speaking to you when you were connected, back connected Mm -hmm. into his body. Yeah, he did. And he wired us for community. And we can do so much more together. And looking back, like if I had tried to just start this on my own, I don't know. I mean, the Lord can do miracles, but I don't know that it would be like what it is today Mm -hmm. without having that community. Because I think I learned a lot even by just leading my own group mm. <laughs> and not knowing it was preparation for leading a national movement yep. of, you know, and helping other churches start. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think when it would be easy for people to look at you today and uh, you know, you run a ministry that has uh, 1100 expressions in the United States, mm-hmm. churches that are involved, plus an international voice. You're a, a speaker, uh, with the speakers bureau, mm-hmm. you're a sought-after conference speaker and things like that, and not realize that it began with sort of a simple yes. Mm-hmm. That you know, you mentioned uh, I volunteered to work at a, at a women's conference, and I, I sort of remember 
from our connection back then that uh, you, you, if, you've said, so I, I got this vision. Mm -hmm. Well, if you don't know what a vision is mm -hmm. or what that might be, what Amy's talking about, literally there was a, a conference speaker said something like, get out a piece of paper mm -hmm. and I'm going to ask God to speak mm -hmm. and I want you to write down what he says. Mm -hmm. So the, the thing that began to be expressed was something that came out of your heart at a, at a moment when you just paused obediently mm -hmm. to hear what God was saying, write it down and then say, well, okay. So do you remember the question that was asked that started you writing this vision that eventually well she she it was christine kane and she really started prophesying over the church and i actually have it typed out what she said in our front office it's really cool but basically she's just like god has called us to great things and he doesn't want us to just go to this conference and then leave doing the same thing that we were doing before like he wants to work in and through us and you need to ask the lord how does he want to use you? How can he use your story? How can he work through you? And, um, and she just was like super fired up, you know, how Christine <laughs> Kane gets. And I had a vision. I've never had a vision before and I've never had one since in this way. It was a pictures and I didn't understand it at first, but it was snapshots that looked so real. And it was of me having an unplanned pregnancy years before. And I looked sad and, and alone. And then the snapshots changed to me throwing baby showers. And that, yeah. I love throwing parties. In fact, when I, when I um, had signed up for that conference, I was de decorating. That was what I signed up for because I love events and all of that. So I had thrown 13 baby showers for my girlfriends that year. Like all my friends had babies. And so I was like the girl that would host the baby shower. <laughs> so the snapshots changed to that. And I didn't really, I wasn't connecting what that meant, but I just knew it looked so real and so vivid. So it wasn't until I was leaving the conference that I ran into one of the pastors and I was like, can I tell you what I saw? real quick I don't understand it and so I told her and she's like oh why don't you just just start a small group for girls with unplanned pregnancies and the baby shower can be the hook to get them in the door and I was like oh my gosh well, sounds pretty simple yeah sounds simple <laughs> but yet also terrifying and like something in my heart was like yes mm. um and so but that was like in March and so we had you know a few months to prepare for like trying for a fall group mm. to figure out what in the heck that looks like and I remember yeah. asking you, um, so how are we going to promote this? I mean, mm -hmm. how are you going to, and you said, oh, uh, these girls know each other. Yeah. They, there's a, a community that gets developed when you have an unplanned pregnancy mm -hmm. and you're trying to figure out and they'll talk and they'll, they'll yeah, come. through the pregnancy centers, they refer their clients to That's amazing. Uh, churches. Mm. So they have that ongoing discipleship that can happen and the church throws them baby showers. Sometimes that is the hook. You know, it did end up being correct. Sometimes it's like we had a girl once that was like, I'm a witch. I'm Wiccan and I uh, just want to come to your church because I need a baby shower. So is that okay? I'm like, okay. Mm. But by the end, she had surrendered her life to the Lord. It was about a year later that she called me. Um, and that's a whole story in itself, but it, it's like the God can you, he wants to love on. It doesn't matter. They don't have to be a Christian. They can come. Everyone's welcome into the church. We hope that they do choose 
Jesus. Mm. Um, and that's what we train all of our leaders. I mean, salvation and discipleship is the main thing, but community is super important. Even just practical, like young moms talking to other moms of like, what do I need? What kind of, you know, it's just, you can't do this alone. It's too yeah. hard. It takes a village to raise a kid, I feel like. <laughs> and so when you're married, it are, is hard. Yeah. But when you're a single, it is extremely difficult. Yeah. So we need the church to be able to help yeah. her. One of the things I feel like that the, was your experience, and I think remains many people's experience today, is the fact that the church requires some things of people before the church really becomes real to them. So mm-hmm. in other words, you're going to come to the church, um, but you're, you're, you're messed up, or you got problems, or you're living in sin. Get that corrected. And then come see us. That's for sure their perception too, which yes. we've projected that in some way because that's, that's what they think. I heard a girl one time say, I really need to sm- stop smoking cigarettes. Can you give me one more week? <laughs> and I'm like, why are you saying that? Yeah. And she's like, well, I just need to, you know, get my life right first. Yeah. yeah. Like, so just w- the, come. the church has given that perception and, and maybe for a lot of people, it's more than perception. It's been their reality that mm-hmm. that's been the requirement. For sure. I think what you've done a phenomenal job of, and it's in the title of the ministry of grace, but you have kept your eye above the fray. Mm-hmm. You've kept your, your eye above the details and problems of a person's life. The messy. The messy. Yeah. So how, how have you done that and remained so consistent in that? Because I'm sure in 1,100 churches, oh, there's got been a, a lot of pressure to... Behavior take, modification. That's yes. what a lot of churches... And that's what they think it is, too. And then a lot of... Sometimes we have leaders that struggle with it still, even as they're leading, mm. because they're like, they feel like it's their job to fix their behavior when we're in the business of a heart transformation. Yeah. The pregnancy isn't the problem. It It's more about the heart. Like yeah. we want to not put a Band-Aid on uh-huh. the situation. And mm-hmm. so, but even now it's so complex. Like, I mean, sometimes it's like a mom is having, she's like, I think I like girls now. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, you don't. You are pregnant. And <laughs> you, got you a lot of emotions keep picking right the wrong guys and like, let mm. us, why don't you just take a break from dating for a while and let us just, let's work on a relationship with the Lord and see what happens here. Mm. But we have leaders that'll call us and be panicking yeah. over yeah. that. What do I do with this situation? Yeah. And it's like, just just keep doing, just go through the, the curriculum. Just keep, don't worry about all of this yeah, stuff. Like into the, 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 not pettiness. That's a very real thing for sure. But it's making it less simple. You, you, that's what I would say. You have the sort of keep it simple, stupid, the kiss principle. Mm-hmm. You, you've kept it simple, very focused and clear. Uh, and I'm sure there's, that's a, that's a big struggle. So you as a leader have had to keep the target really clear in that vision. Yeah, for sure. And just like, this is, we're not trying to fix them. That's not the goal. Yeah. Our goal is for them to encounter Jesus, mm. to surrender their lives to the Lord, to feel empowered as women, to be the moms that God created them to be. Um, and that sometimes you can see the transformation happen immediately. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they may be done. And it's like, I don't even know if anything Mm. sunk in but we're planting seeds and we it's awesome to see like even the girl that I was wicked that I just told you about she it wasn't until I thought for sure she was surrendering her life to the Lord like I 
and I, she was in my group mm. and she never missed a class. One time when I was picking her up, she didn't have a car. And she said, I like the way it makes me feel when I come to this church. Mm. And it was all about love, you know? Yeah. And I was like, okay, God's doing something. But it wasn't until a year later, she called me out of the blue, freaking out. And she said, you'll never believe what's happened. And she said, I just kept thinking maybe God's trying to talk to me, but I don't really know for sure. And, and she said mm. she was going in to work her shift. She was a, a manager of a restaurant slash gas station. And she said, God, if you're real, I don't want to think you're real. I want to know you're real. So can you, if you're trying to talk to me, can you do something bigger? And so she goes into work her shift and she said, a guy comes in and she said he seemed really nervous. And she's calling me freaking out about this. She said he said that he had, was driving past a restaurant and that the Lord told him to turn his car around, come to uh, the girl at the counter and tell her that he loves you and he sees you and all he wants is your heart. And she was like, what? And she said his hands were like shaking when he did it, that he seemed real nervous. And so... She went straight home and got her curriculum from the year before for Embrace Grace. And there's a salvation prayer in there. And she prayed and she surrendered her life to the Lord. I was the first person she called. And she had no idea. Like this one, I really did take more personal because I like knew it was going to happen. And I had to talk to God about it. And God's like, you're planting seeds. Do you think a girl that is Wiccan would have ever stepped foot in a church <laughs> if you hadn't created a safe place for her to yep. be there? So let my people keep watering the seeds. And so... um I was celebrating. I was so excited. And I, I, the Lord, I was thanking the Lord, you know, and I, I, he brought me back to, she liked the way we made her feel yeah, because yeah. it's God's kindness that leads us to yeah, repentance. Yeah. That is what love is, what changes people. Yeah. And then also just thinking about the courage of that guy. Like he, yeah. she said he was shaking. He had no idea hmm. that she went straight home yeah. and surrendered her life to the Lord. <laughs> Like, and, it, and, how and it's awesome. like it's the example of the some plant the seed, mm -hmm. some water the seed. Yeah. We all have different parts in people's we lives. We just have to be obedient to the Holy Spirit's leading. And realize we're, we're part of a, a master chess game that God's playing and strategically working out in people's lives. And if we totally. allow ourselves to not think we have to be the one who plants and waters mm -hmm. and does all the things, we can have just a part. Then we realize, hey, I'm actually just a tool in all that God's doing in someone's life. Yep, Totally. Amy, talk about, just a second, when you talked about leaders and you, you mentioned about behavior modification, let's talk about that for a second, because I think that probably is a very real struggle that a lot of, probably a lot of people who get involved in groups are in the church and, and maybe have a, a, a background in religion. Mm -hmm. And so what a religious sort of spirit can do is make you have this, my behavior has to be modified in order for me to be able to come before the Lord. Mm -hmm. And then if I'm leading a group, I'm wanting to see or feel the, feel the pressure of balancing this behavior modification, help, help leaders adapt to that. Were you going to say? Yeah. Let me them? just add one more piece to mm -hmm. that. Sometimes I think in the church, we approach change and say the proof of change is behavior modification. Mm -hmm. And so we, we want to see a heart change and we, we can't really see that, so we focus on the behavioral side, mm -hmm. and then you get into the, the mm -hmm. problems that you were mentioning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so help help some leaders identify how how to how to not get drawn into that, how to not get drawn into the the trap that could. And so here's what I I think about it. the whole time you're talking. I'm just thinking about Jesus and the woman caught in adultery, and how he handles that whole situation, mm -hmm. which is, hey, I don't judge you. Go and sin no more. Mm -hmm. And and so. 
how do you keep that perspective and how do you challenge your leaders, maybe in your leadership development mm -hmm. to remain with that sort of posture? Well, I know it is really hard to, I wish we could measure transformation, you know, mm -hmm. and, and probably it is, you know, the outward um, decisions that people make, but definitely leading an organization like Embrace Grace, it can be really messy mm -hmm. as a leader. Um, I remember one time a leader was like, we've had two semesters and like one mom had six kids and another one's got drug issues. And she's like, I just was kind of picturing like this, the 17 year old, you know, church girl. And this isn't what, and sometimes you do get that, right. but it's hard when you're in the trenches with these moms and you want, you're so passionate and you want the, the, the God life that he has for them. You want them to make good decisions that, mm -hmm. but it's not, they have to understand how much God loves them first. Yeah. And like, even when they come to the first class, they always have major walls up. The girls, they're like, they think they may be coming for the baby shower, but they're preparing their hearts. They, they'll say, I thought you were going to tell me how horrible I was. Mm. I thought you were going to tell me that I've screwed up my life. And I'm like, that's what you thought church was mm. like, that is the saddest thing ever. Yep. And what we do as leaders is we just share our stories yeah. that on the first class, because they, so then all of a sudden they're like, Oh, if that's her story, that's mm. way worse than mine. <laughs> and if God did that Break for her, yeah. yeah, then maybe God will do that for me too. And then all of a sudden their walls start coming down because if they think this is a, this is they, I hear them always say, I thought it was like the, the old church ladies were going to be leading, <laughs> which we have old church ladies for sure that are amazing, but in their head, it's like the Saturday night live, you know, church ladies. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, when really these women have gone through hard things, but the more vulnerable, we are helps them want to know the heart of the Lord more. They want to, whenever we talk about our own God stories, I think it helps them want to, to change as well. Yeah. Um, and, but it takes time. Like I said, sometimes you see transformation happen. Sometimes it's like, they'll do the whole 12 weeks and they're still living with their boyfriend mm -hmm. or they're still, you know, and sometimes they're just like, they don't have another option. Like yeah. we don't want that for them, but they also like, they don't have a family right. and they don't have, they're homeless yeah. and they don't, they may not even be with him, yep. but we get so fixed on trying to fix this stuff yep. when we're missing this huge part of like the Lord can do that. Yeah. Like one moment in the presence of the Holy Spirit can do even sometimes what years of counseling can do. Right, yeah. Like we want to cultivate right. an atmosphere where they encounter the Lord, where they want yep. the change because yep. he's the one who can work on their heart. Now yep. it's not to say we don't talk about sin. You know, mm. we do, we talk about the Lord's way and what that looks like, but we're also not going to tell them that they're screwing up every single day, you mm. know? Yeah. And, and also I think when we get into fix it mode as leaders, we, it will burn us out. Yeah. I remember the very first semester I had the three moms and they finished the semester and they all, one day it was a Saturday and I'd forgot my phone at home. And when I finally got to my phone, they all had been trying to call me all three of them. And they were all freaking out about something. One was they couldn't pay their electric bill. One was having baby daddy drama. One was something else. I don't know. But I'm like calling each one thinking something major is going on. But it was really like they just were kind of going through this rough patch. Mm. And I started realizing like, oh, I became their source. Mm. 
Mm. And I did it wrong. Like I, they think they're panicking because they can't get a hold of me when I didn't teach them to go to the Lord mm. and to talk to him about it. And which I notice leaders sometimes can fall in that pattern. Mm. We like that yeah. we're a genie in a bottle and we want to fix yeah. this and fix that, which sometimes the Lord does say to pay for their electric bill or whatever, mm. but it's not, that's not what our job is as leaders. Cause yeah. we will get so burnt out. If our job, if we think our job is trying to get them to sin less, mm. like it will wear <laughs> us out and yeah. it's so draining. And so, and it doesn't help in any way. Yeah. Um, these women, it's not empowering them to go to the Lord and yeah. go to the word and talk. I, one time I had a girl was like, do you think I'm living with my boyfriend and we're having sex? So, you know, do you think that that the Lord is okay with that? And I said, what do you think the Lord says about it? Mm. And she's like, I said, why don't you this week dig into some scriptures and then come back and tell me what you think? Cause I could tell her and she asked me, <laughs> but I said, I want, let me give you a week. And so she came back and she was said, yeah, I hear some scriptures and it looks like maybe I shouldn't. Mm. And so what the difference is, is I didn't tell her. Yeah. The Lord the did. Lord did. Yeah. So are you going to be disobedient to the Lord? Or are you going to do, be disobedient to your yes. church leader, you right. know, or whatever? Right. Yeah. And so we're trying to empower them yeah. Yeah. to have that relationship is can go way further. And it's not as draining on yeah. me as well, you know, as a leader. Well, I'll go back to thinking about you talking about the testimonies that you, all the leaders give and how that breaks down walls. And I think one of the main things it does, thinking about even to your, the beginning for you, you didn't see hope, mm -hmm. you know, there wasn't somebody who, who you could look at and go, what does it look like on the other side of this? Mm -hmm. And I think so many times people who have find themselves in a pit, mm -hmm. they're looking for hope. Yeah. It's they're like in crisis mode. They're completely in crisis mode and they can't see bigger. beyond the moment. Mm -hmm. They can't see where could this be in a few years from now and having someone to be able to come in front of them and go, let me give you a picture of what this looks like. Mm -hmm. There is hope. You mm -hmm. can get to the other side of this. Mm -hmm. um, is, is huge. It's huge. It's so critical. And ultimately, what, you're, what you said there, what you're trying to get people to see is how do you make Jesus Lord mm -hmm. of your life? Mm -hmm. And his lordship is, is ultimately what then becomes the guide to us navigating all things. And if they are coming into a group and they're seeking help, and that's the place it begins, is I just need help and I don't know what to do. You're providing hope for them on the other side and ultimately reflecting what you did in that story is show her what it looks like for Jesus to be Lord, not you. Mm -hmm. You're not Lord to make the decision and to guide Jesus as Lord. And so how do you, how do you direct them back to, to seeing him as Lord of their lives? Totally. That's, that's to me what I ultimately see the goal of what you're, um, you're modeling. Yes. And I, I want to, so let me sort of shift gears for a second to just leadership. Mm -hmm. Talk about you as a leader. Yeah. Because one of the things that, that strikes me and I've, I have this perspective about Jesus, about what he modeled for us in leadership. He, uh, he developed leaders. He had his, his 12, mm -hmm. he developed leaders. Um, he, he taught to large groups. And so he, he, he had a speaking teaching gift. I'm, I'm taking away his, his God yeah. <laughs> uh, identity and just talking about him as a human, as a leader. Uh, and then, but he also had his personal ministry. He healed the sick. He, he delivered people. He, so I look at you and I go, you kind of have all three of those as well. You, you 
are developing leaders, you're speaking on a large scale, and you've got your own personal ministry. Talk about how that went from, I've got this vision, that, and I'm going to lead a group that starts with three, three people, and now, let me put some sort of business terms to it, you've scaled it to mm-hmm. an international ministry. Mm-hmm. I think what everybody wants to know is, how? <laughs> how did you do that? Well, yeah, there, that's a lot. But I, I think it was just trying to do one step at a time. So many people come up to me and they're like, I want to, like, say, this is an example. I want to start a maternity home. And I want to, um, but I need a million dollars, you know, to buy a house and all of that. And I think that that the Lord just wants us to be obedient with what we have. So if she doesn't have a million dollars, does I just say, do you have a couch? Do you have an extra seat at your table? What can you do? If that is the vision that the Lord gave you, what can you do with the resources that you have? Mm-hmm. And so... I think that that's how it's been along the way. You know, once we had the revelation of, oh, this is supposed to be not just our church's uh, group. This Mm -hmm. is supposed to be, we're going to help empower the churches. Um, It was tough to figure out how to get into the business mode of it because I just want to help people. But when you start talking about nonprofits and bylaws and putting Mm -hmm. together a board Mm -hmm. and all of that, it's very overwhelming when I... I love business, but there's some parts of it like financial and things like that that I don't think is fun. Mm -hmm. So it was definitely hard to switch over to the business side of like, how do you scale this and how can we make the experience replicatable in churches all over the nation, building workflows of like when we get a name of a potential church leader and then what are all the steps of the process from that point to hopefully starting a group. And so I got, I just would pray for the people that have the strengths that I don't have that would come alongside and help us along the way. Um, And the church really helped us with that. Tom, you helped us a ton with it. of, of finding strategic people that, you know, finances that I'm not into that, mm. but, and I just need to know, just tell me how much money I have to spend, you know, or I can help raise the money. But as far as what goes where and how to budget, I, that's not in my wheelhouse at all, mm-hmm. but just praying that the Lord would bring us the people that, um, are strategic to the team that would help us be able to grow. And so, um, once we got the workflows and the systems down, it really just started growing from there. And also my first book had come out around the time of the nonprofit starting, which looking back, it was like such a crazy thing because I got traditionally published with a bigger publishing, uh, company. And I, and, and there's a part of a crazy part of the story is that I didn't find out until four or five years later that, I did not have any of the requirements that that publishing house in Nashville wanted in a book. And I found out because I was speaking at an event and they had, it was an event where it empowers, it was a digital evangelism event. So they empower people to write books, have podcasts, you know, have radio shows, things like that. So a lady came from that publishing house to teach them how to write a book and what do you need? And they're like, you need to have this many paid speaking engagements and you need to have this many people following on you on social media. And I was thinking I was literally published with them and I didn't have that, 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 and that (laughs) because that publishing opened the door for tons of marketing at that time when we started Embrace Grace. Well, I finally pulled her aside afterwards and I was like, what 
was that like I didn't have any of these and she said who was your editor you know she's like oh I know she said every editor gets one book per year that they can bypass all rules of the publishing house Mm -hmm. that they passionately believe in as a cause or whatever and that your book got chosen and that's how you got published you didn't get published because you know, it was, it was something that you earned. Yeah, Yeah, it was the, it was the Lord, the favor (laughs) of the Lord. So even, I think we get stuck on how do we, you know, if I want to build a maternity home, but I don't have the money and I don't have all of those things was like, what do I have right now? And I had stories, I put it out there and then the Lord blessed it in a way that was totally out of the box. And I think we get stuck because if we have 500 steps between here and where the destination we want to go, we think, well, I don't know what step eight is and nine. So I'm just not going to do anything because I don't know what it is when he's just asking us to be faithful with the first step. And then he'll tell us the second and the third and the fourth. And it's all part of the amazing journey of that. Looking back, there's been so many miracles. Our favorite thing to say at this organization is guess what? Because we (laughs) just can't believe the doors that God's opened. Things that we couldn't try to pay to have happen or door try to push open. Like only the Lord could have done it. So it's a daily, I feel like, just being obedient to the Holy Spirit. And that has been so, that has been the best part of leading because we just never know what God's going to do. And he's so creative in the way that he loves on these moms Mm. and how he uses the church because we're the church, right? And so we're just empowering the church to do what God's called them to do and they're able to see the miracles and they're getting front row seats to it by hosting these groups and it's been awesome to see so it's like a constant fuel you Mm -hmm. know that we're like we love what we do and we have God stories that keep happening and it's just being obedient with the resources that we have and then being specific asking the Lord we need this and it happens. Even one time we had a Salesforce girl. So we Salesforce is our customer service management mm-hmm. system. And we were tr- we were shopping what brands to use. And we had this girl that kept coming and she was stuffing envelopes and she was so introvert and so quiet. And we didn't really know much about her, but she kept coming to serve. So she overheard us talking about, should we use this? And this is a big decision for an organization. Like what system mm-hmm. do you house? Mm-hmm. All of your stuff. And so finally she um, came up. She's like, She's she's heard us and she said, can I see your Salesforce book? That's the one y'all are thinking about using. Can I look at it? Can I take it home and I'll bring it back tomorrow? And we're like, sure, yeah. I mean, who wants to read it? It's a big manual, you know. <laughs> she came back and she said, well, I have a master's in, you know, IT something something. And she's like, this is such an amazing program. I would love to help y'all <laughs> get it implemented. Yeah. Which now that we have Salesforce, it's really hard to find Salesforce like yeah. people. It's a very, it's very specific. Yeah. And it was just a lady that was, and she huh. built the whole thing for us <laughs> for free. And then finally she ended up working for us once we had the funding to hire her. She ended up working for us for years and now we use her as contract labor. But like, it's yeah. just the Lord, it's just doing, being obedient with what you have. And he yeah. starts meeting these needs through creative, crazy huh. ways. Have you, have you found yourself as that's happened struggling because so one part of it is I just take daily steps with the Lord and I obey and do what he's calling us to do. And then that can begin. And then you get the systems in place. It's like, okay, great. Then you might feel a pressure to get ahead of the Lord. 
Oh, yeah. And and so have you found that? And how have you maintained sort of the, hey, we're only going to go at God's pace, mm-hmm. even though we may have this new vision and so forth. How have you balanced the, hey, one thing, once things really got going, I still was able to hold on and go simply at God's pace, which can still be a very quick pace. Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely <laughs> a very forward-focused person. But when we when we had felt like the Lord told us to start the nonprofit, um, when I ordered the paperwork, the IRS paperwork, it was so thick and it was so overwhelming. And I was like, this is, like, I can't just do this because it sounds fun. <laughs> like, this is a big deal. Yeah. And the heaviness of it came on me of like, you need to not go too fast and in front of God. You need to, so I, 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 Ryan, my husband, he was like, Amy, you're totally supposed to do this. And even mm-hmm. it costs money. I was like almost a thousand bucks, you know, mm-hmm. for the IRS fee or whatever. He's like, we'll pay for it. I said, no, I think I need the money f- to fall from the sky. That's mm-hmm. how I'll know we're supposed to do this. Let me just pray. Cause I'll start, mm-hmm. I'll fill out what I I know to fill out this looks I mean these are a lot of words I don't even understand <laughs> what they mean but I want the money to fall from the sky and that's how I'll know that he wants us to do this and we prayed together and he said the same thing and my co-founder the next day was at a um, prayer meeting up at the church and a random lady came up to her and she's like hi I know this is going to sound really crazy but are you going on a missions trip and Selena was like no I'm not going on a missions trip Um, and she said, well, does that word mission mean something to you? And on this paperwork, the first page, you have to do your mission statement. Mm. And it's really hard to put your whole dream in one sentence, you know? (laughs) And so we were trying to articulate that. And she said, we're working on our mission statement. Have you heard of Embrace Grace? The lady said no. And so she told her all about it. The lady pulled out her checkbook and she said, I heard the Lord clearly say to fund your mission. How much do you need? And she pulled out the checkbook, wrote a check for the entire thing, this random stranger the next day. (laughs) And that has helped me try. I reminded of of it all the time of like to stay at his pace. I am a very idea person. I'm a visionary. I have a lot of ideas. And our board has been really good about when I pitch ideas, they're like, Amy, what's your mission statement? And so I'll say it and then they'll just kind of stare at me for a minute and like, oh, okay. But a lot of times I'll go call someone else. I'm like, who does have this mission? Because this yeah. is an awesome idea. I'll try to give it to someone else. But I think just trying to stay in our lane, because I do think that times change, culture mm-hmm. change. So this mission statement for us, it's inspiring and equipping the church to love on single and pregnant young women and their families. Mm-hmm. So, but sometimes the strategy changes. Yeah to accomplish that mission. So things can change with culture and things, but that's our mission. And so I do have to be reminded sometimes to (laughs) continue to go at his pace. Yeah. And stay in the lane. Okay. So I got a question as, (laughs) as a leader, uh, uh, the founder of this organization, what did you do early on that you had to let go? You, You love doing, but now as you lead an organization that's large and impactful that you don't do anymore? Probably hiring friends. And even though they all become friends, but when we first started, it was like, who can do this and who can do that? And just like, are you a willing and able body? Because we need you. Um, But now as we've grown, trying to really look at what people's strengths and gifts are, because they're if they're doing something that's not their strength or gift, they're going to get burnt out and quit. And then you have 
you know, trouble with um, the relate, even the relationship sometimes gets fractured and things like that. So trying to really rely on um, really digging into, we love culture index. That's what we use mm-hmm. as an organization of really digging into their autonomy, their sociability, uh, their pace and their detail. Mm-hmm. And those four things kind of can help us figure out, are you, is this something where you will thrive in this position or because you can like look at a resume and it'll say, yes, I'm social and I'm this. But like <laughs> you don't really know until they're down yeah. the road. They're like, oh, you're actually not. Right. Yeah. And you, you have to you do are, the eye so of the tiger speech in your head every time you pick up the phone <laughs> to call someone. And then it's kind of like the, the bridge is burnt. You know, uh-huh. it, it's hard. Yeah. So really, we don't want to put them in a box, but yet really trying to find and take the time yeah. to find people to put them in the right spot where they are going to love it and mm-hmm. they'll stay for a long time and we have good retention and, yeah. um, and where they'll thrive. Yeah. So you went, you went from, we're kind of getting anybody on the bus yeah. to, especially a nonprofit. I feel like you uh-huh. just, you know, you're like anybody. And now you move into, we want to make sure we get the right people in the right seat right. on the bus. Yeah. And that matches our culture. We have a culture yeah. of love. We, we say we're pro love, um, pro life is a stance, but pro love is an action mm. and it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And so uh, when you think of brand, I'm really big on brand. If you look at our Instagram, I mean, there's color textures, it's all the same, but brand isn't just about visual. It is the way we make people feel. Mm. And so how do our employees make our clients or our, the churches we work with, like, do they represent the brand of love? Mm-hmm. Um, in every way, even our offices, you guys have walked through our offices, like you feel love, it's light and bright. It's the whole experience. Um, And so we try to really dig, which is hard within a few interviews, like, do they represent love? And because that is the key and foremost with culture is that do they match the culture of what we are trying to exemplify even outside the walls yeah. as we're working in booths. I love or, that you found a tool in culture index that's helped you. It's, it's a resource to help mm-hmm. you do that, to maintain your culture. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, this has been fantastic. We, we love and appreciate you and have known you from a startup to now yeah. an absolutely phenomenal leader. Thank and you. We, we would like to pray for you, yeah. pray for Embrace Grace. Uh, if they're watching today and they say, I've been so impacted, how can I get involved? What would you, what would you say to them? What do, they, what do they need to do? And what do you need? Yeah. What does the ministry need? We would love to have more churches um, having Embrace Grace groups. It's the saddest thing when we have a mom call us and say, I need support, I need community. And we look on the map and there's not a group in their area. And we want them to be connected to safe churches. So if anybody's watching or listening right now, if you go to embracegrace.com, you can click start a group. It doesn't necessarily mean if you're like, I don't know if I want to start it, just fill it out and we can help you either start it or help uh, you put the word out within your church to see if you can help find someone that might would want to lead Embrace Grace. It's plug and play. It's super easy. I heard one leader say you just press play and love. Mm. And because we give you all the tools, the icebreaker questions, the digital curriculum, the book, it's all there. Mm. So you just have, we just need someone to to get it going Mm. at your church. So we would love that. You can donate to it, embracegrace.com. And then if you ever hear about a girl that's pregnant, help get her connected to a local Embrace Grace group. There's a zip code finder on our website 
website, you put in your zip code and all the groups and the churches pop up in your local area to help get her connected to and, and support. What about dads? I know yes. that you've got a ministry for dads as yeah. well, baby dads. So we have embracelegacy.com um, and that's it. there's information on embracelegacy.com and embracegrace.com about for dads. Same thing, 12-week curriculum. And we also have Embrace Life for young single moms. So after they have their baby, life kind of slaps them in the face a little bit. It's hard. Mm -hmm. So then we kind of get into the practical. So we have three programs that are really great that you can implement at your church. So men that are listening, you can start Embrace Legacy at your church. Mm. Amy, you, um, I guess, final final thing as we pray over you, but I just want to thank you again because you you, I, you are an inspiring leader mm -hmm. um, because you 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 took what was something that was a, a, a pain point and you've turned it into this incredible ministry that's required you to grow as a person, mm -hmm. grow as a leader, all the things that you were able to develop while keeping the vision in front of you, being obedient to that vision, clear on that vision, um, and that's super, super inspiring. So thank you for doing thank that. You guys. Thank you for being who you are. Yes, uh, we uh, we honor you. We're we're proud of Embrace Grace and all that uh, goes on here. Well, um, y'all played a big role in this, Tom. There were times you told me to slow down. There were times you told me <laughs> to fly. And you have so much love. Like, it's like you just trust, you know, you, you're so trustworthy. And you too, Todd. Y'all have been awesome. Y'all play, I think, a bigger role than y'all even know in, in this uh, organization. So we're well, thankful. We're honored. Thank yep. you. You want to yeah, pray Yeah, I'd love to. Okay. Father, we thank you for Embrace Grace. We thank you for Amy and Ryan. I thank you, Lord, that when her story was being written, you, you wrote the result of what we're seeing today from the very beginning. And Lord, you're doing that for so many other people through the ministry of Embrace Grace and all that it, it accomplishes. <clears throat> we just pray your blessing over them and their work today be what they need in this moment. <clears throat> in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All of a sudden, I got, <laughs> I got horse voice. But. Hey, thanks for joining us uh, this week. We'll look forward to seeing you on our next episode. God bless.